Hey everybody, welcome back to Tent Pegs and Tabernacles um, with Micah and Delena. Uh, it's great to be with you guys again. Um, and just, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been listening consistently. And um, we've just gotten some really great feedback and comments from from different ones of you. It's been very encouraging to us to know that it's encouraging to you. So thank you for that. Um, really excited to have a really great discussion today uh, on really a kind of a controversial topic. Um, this whole idea of, you know, what Israel's going through right now. I know some of you are probably really up to date on the news and have been watching um, diligently you know, to what's been unfolding. Some of you, you know, maybe had social media off this weekend and um, had your TV off and maybe just aren't really clued into what actually is happening. Um, But since this is a topic that's really close to our hearts, we care very, very deeply about it. We pray about it consistently. This has definitely been massively on our hearts all weekend. Um, It's been kind of difficult to even feel a normal pace of life, knowing what's going on. So we just really wanted to take this podcast today and really focus on something that we feel like is so pertinent right now um, and something that requires a lot of really attention and prayer. And we want to grow in knowledge and um, get the Lord's counsel and his wisdom on all this. So just thought we would have a conversation about this Um hoping that maybe it can be encouraging to you and instructional for you in any way that the Lord wants to use it. So Micah, this is obviously something, I know we both carry a heart for this, but you have really, really delved really deep into a lot of this history of the issues with, you know, Israel's history and this conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So can you kind of give us kind of a nutshell version of, for those who don't know what's going on, what is actually going on right now? Yeah, it's a great question, and our goal is to put it in as simple terms as possible so that way it's accessible to everyone listening and introduces some starting points of thought, maybe greater research, and starting points of prayer. So in short, Israel is facing a very intense attack right now from a terrorist organization called Hamas. Now, commentators that are familiar with Israel's history, some of them are saying that Israel has not faced this scale of an attack in 50 years since the 1973 Yom Kippur War. And so this is not just a minor conflict. In response, Israel has actually declared war in order to neutralize the threat that they're facing. So what has that threat looked like? So it began Saturday morning around 6 a.m. Hamas, again, a terrorist organization that is rooted in and based in the Gaza Strip, They have fired over 3,500 rockets into Israel. So that's one wave of the attack. Some people may be wondering, you know, has has every single one of those rockets landed and caused destruction? Well, Israel has an excellent missile defense system that's able to intercept a lot of those rockets, but not all of them are intercepted. So that's one wave of attack is 3,500 rockets into Israel. The second wave of attack is that terrorists have also infiltrated southern Israel and have embedded in communities there where they have been slaughtering people and uh, abducting people. And so it's, though we're talking about this in more of a casual tone because it's conversational for the podcast, it's very heavy business. And our hearts are uh, gripped very deeply. And so right now, because of those two things, 
the rocket fire and the infiltration of terrorists into Israel, the death toll in Israel is around 600 or 700 people, probably even more than that now. Furthermore, there have been a thousand plus injured, which um, obviously they're caring for those people. Um, unfortunately, some of those injured are becoming part of the death toll. And then there's also hundreds that are currently still being held hostage by terrorists, whether it's in their own communities in southern Israel or have been taken to Gaza. So that's just an overview of the situation. Now, some of those terms, some of our listeners may not be as familiar with Hamas, what does that mean? Gaza, what does that mean? But at least that's an overview and a description of what's unfolded over the last couple of days. Yeah, and I think it might be without getting deep into it. Could you talk a little bit about even just the, the Gaza piece and why that's such a big deal? Yeah, so Gaza, there there are lots of different starting points from a historical uh, context to talk about that. In short, Gaza, prior to 2005, was a disputed territory. And what that means is in the UN peace, uh, or the UN partition plan that was approved back in the 1940s, um, it was land designated for an Arab-majority people as a part of a Palestinian state. And so in the 1967 war that Israel engaged in with other Arab nations around them, Israel secured that land and kept that land for security purposes. As a sign of peace in 2005, Israel completely withdrew from the Gaza Strip and handed that over to Palestinian leadership in order for them to have the beginnings of a Palestinian state. Unfortunately, that land, the Gaza Strip, quickly um, deteriorated and its leadership moved to Hamas, um, a terrorist organization. So since then, Hamas has used the Gaza Strip as essentially a launch pad for terrorist activities. The terrorist activities have been so intense that Israel has had to build a barricade, a security fence around Gaza in order to protect Israeli citizens. Now, some people look at that and say, oh, that's so heartless of Israel. In actuality, Israel sends lots of humanitarian aid into Gaza in order to care for the people there. Their enemy is not the Palestinian people. Their enemy is a terrorist organization that is using the Palestinian people as human shields and in order to indoctrinate their children with hate toward Israel. Wow, it's fascinating. Super complex, I know. Yeah. Um, You know, just thinking about us as believers and, you know, our role in prayer, uh, not just praying for the peace of Jerusalem, which obviously is massive, something that we talk about a lot, God's heart for Israel, our heart, what our heart position should be toward Israel as believers. What do we do as Christians in this kind of scenario where there is actual war breaking out? There are, uh, you know, terrorists are launching attacks, things like that. And obviously the world uh, seems to be very kind of on, on opposite sides of even how this plays out and who to stand with. And, you know, on a social justice side, you know, how do we care for people who are caught in the crossfire of all of this? How, how do we pray in a situation like this, especially if you're not really even clued into all of the political side of this, or if you aren't a history buff, you don't know all of your history here, but you are just, you're a follower of Jesus. You want to love the land 
that he's from, the land that he loves, the city Jerusalem that he loves. What is our role in prayer here? And practically, how how can we <clears throat> carry this um, in a way that that feels full of hope for what we're praying for? That's a great question. So I'll, I'll respond with three short answers. The first answer is to start by praying the language of Scripture. That is always a safe starting point for prayer. Love that. And so two different passages I recommend is first, Psalm 122. It's the most well-known passage talking about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Because when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are praying for both the Jewish community that is in Jerusalem and the Arab community that's within Jerusalem, and then other inhabitants there as well. So we are praying for the inhabitants of Israel, Jew and Arab alike, and we are contending for the promises of God for the city of Jerusalem. So praying Psalm 122 is a great starting point. Another great starting point is Numbers chapter 6. Now, most people that are familiar with Numbers chapter 6, their mind immediately goes to the Nazarite, because it does talk about the Nazarite. But the end of that chapter is actually the priestly blessing over Israel. And God says specifically in that blessing, it says, God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron's, Aaron and his sons, saying, When you bless the children of Israel, so when you're blessing and praying for the Jewish people, say this. And then he goes through and he quotes, You know, the Lord keep you, and all of those things that's, you know, embodied for most of our listeners that are familiar with the song, The Blessing, that Carrie Job and others wrote and have sung and sung in many churches. Well, that all comes from Numbers chapter 6. And so if we will take that blessing and turn it into a prayer for the Jewish people, we can be confident we are praying the Word of God and the will of God over the Jewish people. So Psalm 122, number 6, those are great starting points for prayer. So that's my first response. My second response is that ultimately, I believe we are called to be those who have an intercessory identification with the Jewish people that God wants to expand our hearts to the degree that we are not casual spectators regarding the difficulty that Israel faced, but we feel an identification with it, and it causes us to engage as intercessors. One of our friends here in Manchester, he had a dream about a year ago, and in the dream, he was attending a football match, an English football match, so not American football, so a soccer match. Um, and in the dream, he's in this stadium, and he's watching, and he knows the two teams that are playing. It's Israel as one team, and then another team he doesn't know the name of. It's just a, facing an opponent. And as he's watching the game, he realizes, oh, this match is a life-or-death match. If Israel loses, she dies. If she wins, she lives. And then he realizes, oh, I can't be a spectator I have to actually pray that Israel wins because my intercession will impact whether or not they win this game. And I think that dream really identifies the role we're called to play, not just those who spectate. Because some people have a eschatological paradigm of Israel that somehow the return of the Lord and Israel are connected, but sometimes that awareness doesn't always pull people into intercession. It just kind of makes us spectators on a global scale, like, oh, kind of pay attention to Israel. There's something prophetic about it. We don't really know what. 
But I think the deeper call is to say we're not just called to be spectators, we're called to be engaged intercessors. So I think Jesus modeled that. There's so much to say there about what Jesus modeled in terms of identi- you know, intercessory identification with the Jewish people. So that's the second kind of goal there. Once we pr- start praying Scripture, then we move into a more mature intercession, which is identifying with the suffering of the Jewish people. Then the third component, I would say, is... We need to be not just motivated intercessors, we need to be informed intercessors. There's different ways to do that, um, but I'll just say there are a lot of narratives out there about Israel, about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And for a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, their introduction to Israel and even the current conflict this weekend was some kind of uh, bent or some kind of bias or some kind of propaganda that was overly demonizing Israel in such a way that they feel the need to justify the acts of violence toward Israel. And I want to say to those, the people that feel that kind of, you know, pull, there's a lot more information out there that that can be found and should be found in order for us to be informed properly about what is actually happening on the ground right now. That's great. And I would love um, to also give some of these resources, some, you know, great places to access, you know, great information, great updates. That's a safe place. Sometimes you're so inundated with so many options. It's like, what can I trust? What's a safe place to to get information? So uh, we may put, you know, some information uh, on our website following this podcast just as a resource guide. Uh, for those of you who are interested in that or going, where do I start? Where do I begin? You know, what news sources and uh, can I trust? So we'll get that out to you guys. Yeah. And just to, you know, give an immediate response for those that are interested in where do I get more information? One, uh, I think, great news source is CBN Israel. So American listeners may be familiar with CBN, the uh, American side of it. Um, and you may have mixed feelings about the credibility of CBN for whatever reason. Um, but what I have found is that CBN Israel has just excellent coverage of the events in Israel. They do a great job. They may not always be the fastest on getting information out, but whenever they put a post a story, it is always very informed, very, very well-rounded, very balanced. And so the easiest way to follow them, get a hold of them, is for those that are on social media, just follow their social media accounts. I follow them on Instagram, and great, great source there. For those that want more information on, again, how to pray for Israel and how to go deeper in a mature understanding of Israel, I've already written a couple of blogs that are available on our website. One is called How to Pray for Israel, where I focus on Numbers chapter 6. The other one is called Israel in Four Dimensions, where I talk more about the different layers and components. And again, that sounds complex, but once you read the blog Israel in Four Dimensions, you begin to see it's not really that complex, but it does take a certain level of heart engagement and openness to the Lord in order to grow. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, So I'm even thinking about especially the Western church, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously we're living here in the UK now, we're a little closer to the Middle East, so it doesn't feel quite as far away, but especially for, um, for an American believer, um, really tucked away over in the West, um, really distanced from the Middle East and from this, it's very easy because of geographical distance, um, to really feel even just a spiritual distance from connection 
with Israel, it's so clouded with lots of views, lots of opinions. It's very easy. We all have a million things going on in our lives, things to focus on, um, our jobs and our own churches and ministry and our our children, families. And, um, you know, what would you say even to people who just honestly just are unaware and don't feel a heart connection and, and maybe feel that this is like a, you know, it's not a non-negotiable. It's kind of like if you're into history and you're kind of into politics and into that thing, then you know, knock yourself out, go digest all you want to, but maybe that's not for me or I don't really have an interest level. How, how important is this for a believer, any believer to have some level of concern and, um, some sort of heart posture that is turned toward this issue. I think it's so easy to disconnect from it because it's so far away and because it is so confusing, especially thinking about, you know, what is God's ultimate plan here? How do I pray? How do I do this? It's sometimes it's easier to just stay out of it simply because we feel ignorant. Um, So how important is this in your opinion for a believer, no matter where they are, and if there is not a connection already, what can they do to say, Lord, how, you know, how do I increase um, and engage an engagement with these kinds of issues? That's a great question. I think first off that this is essential for every believer, regardless of their geographical location. And that's a big statement. I really weigh that statement. I'm not just saying that as hype or as, you know, um, urgent podcast material. I really mean that very genuinely. I believe some kind of Israel engagement and connection is essential for every believer. I'm going to give two reasons why. One is fidelity to Scripture, faithfulness to Scripture. If we are disciples of Jesus, then we have a call to fidelity regarding the Word of God. Jesus said very clearly in the Gospel of John, it says, Now he said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. So in other words, he was looking at people who already believed, and he's saying if you want to make the full transition into active discipleship, you have to abide in my word. And so if we're going to be faithful to the witness of Scripture at some point, we have to wrestle with the Israel dimension that is within Scripture. That is huge. We can't forsake it. I recently wrote, I know I'm mentioning several of the blogs that we have on the website. I'm not trying to plug those. No, but they I'm just, were really informative, very, very rich. And yeah, yeah I would agree with you. Well, so, so these blogs are helping to answer the questions. I recently wrote a blog called, Do We Know What God Said? Because the Apostle Paul says all the promises in him are yes and in him amen. And we typically quote that scripture, think about that scripture, and we don't think specifically about God's promises. We think generally about like his benevolence toward man. And we kind of use that general posture of kindness as a substitute for specific promises. So we say all God's promises are yes and amen. We're kind of like that means kind of like good things from God. You know, Psalm 103, don't forget his benefits. There are benefits to serving God. But I think recently I've been struck by this idea, what promises are is Paul actually talking about? Did he have specific things in mind? 
And over the last couple of years, I've really been more attentive to reading the prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah all the way to Malachi. And I'm realizing God made a lot of very specific promises. And as a first century Jew, Paul would have been thinking about those promises. So if we're going to be faithful to Scripture, we have to wrestle with the Israel component at some point. So that's the first response. The second response on why this is essential is because of the hour in which we live. See, our generation, we don't know a world where Israel doesn't exist. That's very true. I was born in the 80s. You were born in the 80s. Israel had already been a reality, the rebirthed Israel had already been in a reality for 40 years could be because they were reborn as a nation in 1948. The generation, two generations before us, they witnessed the shock and the surprise and the miracle of Israel's rebirth. That's why prior generations in the church, our parents, our grandparents, knew the importance of wrestling with the Israel component. So our generation kind of takes it as just a known reality and we lose a little bit of the wonder that, <clears throat> excuse me for uh, clearing my throat, but the rebirth of Israel is a historical anomaly, no matter how you look at it. Some people would say it's a miracle. It, whether or not people subscribe to Israel's present rebirth as a miracle, it is a historical anomaly. It has never happened in the history of the world for a people to be scattered for them, for their, from their land and then 2,000 years to be reborn in that land as a nation. And so because of that hour in which we live, we have to wrestle with that on a theological level. And if we don't wrestle with Israel on a biblical level and then on a historical level, then I think we will be out of rhythm with God's agenda for this hour and the call of the church to be a global intercessory community. That's beautiful. I love it. And, you know, too, we've talked some about this just— how really it really is a global thing and the nations of the earth are beginning to turn their heart and their focus back to Jerusalem. Uh, just even seeing, I think it's, I'm so moved by even some of the reports that we've heard from the, the underground church in Iran and, you know, them becoming Christians and not just becoming Christians, but turning and blessing Israel and praying for Israel. Some of the, you know, Asian churches out in the East, you know, beginning now to work back all the way to Jerusalem. And you do see these prophecies in scripture about the nations of the earth. Ultimately, they'll all be flowing um, back to Jerusalem. But we're even seeing now the nations of the earth beginning to turn their heart posture back. And so even there's just the first fruits of that. But I love being able to join in that work that is ultimately God's will uh, and to take take part in that and not to just distance. It's, it is easy to kind of put it out of sight, out of mind, especially if it's something that requires effort and uh, you don't really have a grid for, it just doesn't seem necessary. So I love everything that you're saying, super strong. Um, you know, another thing that comes to mind that I think a lot of people will have questions about, especially with current culture and it's bent on this whole situation is what about not just praying for Israel, but what about all the other people caught in the conflict? What about the Palestinians? You know, you, you said something earlier um, about 
you know, Israel is protecting itself against Hamas, a terrorist organization, not against the Palestinian people. And sometimes it's easy to conflate those things, uh, especially if you don't know exactly what's going on. So as believers, how do we also then um, pray for, you know, Israel's what is considered to be right now, like maybe her enemies uh, and all the people that are caught really in that crossfire? How do we pray for them? How do we think about them? How do we feel about them in our hearts? It's a great question. I've gotten this question from uh, different sources at different times. So just recently, um, you know, as this conflict broke out in Israel over the last couple of days, I had a former student reach out and say, hey, how do I pray for the peace of Israel right now? Am I praying for vengeance against the Palestinian people? And of course, my response was no, that's not, you know, what we're praying. So to clarify that, the other thing is a few months ago, so at our mealtimes, we often pray for the peace of Jerusalem, just as part of, Lord, thank you for this food, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, someone was in our home not too long ago and heard us praying that and said, hey, I want to start praying that as well, but as I'm praying, I feel conflicted internally because I also want to pray not only for Isaac, but also Ishmael. And how do I do that, and are there promises for Ishmael? And I think that's a great question that a lot of people wrestle with. So there's different ways to respond. First, I would say when we pray for the peace of Israel, we pray for God's promises regarding her and the city of Jerusalem, the Jewish people. Ultimately, we are also praying indirectly for the well-being of all of the Arab people around Israel and within Israel. Because if we understand Israel's vocation in Scripture, she is called to be a light to the nations. And when you look at Isaiah 62, and the mandate of Israel's watchmen, that mandate is to pray for Jerusalem's righteousness to shine so that nations see the glory of God. So we're not praying for peace for the Jews, destruction for the Palestinians. Right. We are praying for God's redemptive storyline in the Middle East to be manifested. Furthermore, I would say exactly the distinguish, distinguishing thing you, you made about Right now, the enemy that Israel is facing is a terrorist organization called Hamas, and that's why it's a little odd that there are demonstrations right now in nations throughout the world of people saying, I stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Well, what I would say is what's heartbreaking is that Israel itself would stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people against the terrorist organization Hamas, because the Palestinians themselves are victims of terror. Some of the ways that they are victims is that their children are being indoctrinated and they are being recruited as radicalized Islamic jihadists. And so the Palestinian people being recruited by Hamas is part of their victimization. And so praying for peace in Israel is also praying for peace among the Palestinian people. It's not an either or, it is a both and so that the purposes and the promises of God can prevail over that land. I love it. I love it so much. You see so much the the heart of the Lord there and and the Lord's heart for <clears throat> excuse me, mercy. I love in the word where it says mercy triumphs over judgment. God's heart is always to extend mercy, to extend a place of repentance. You know, I've even found myself in prayer, praying and praying for the Palestinian people, praying for even um, the members of, you know, 
this organization and saying, Lord, shine the light of your truth, bring salvation to these people, be merciful to them. You know, we have heard for years, so many reports of, you know, um, Jesus revealing himself to people in their dreams, in visions and in visitations where these people who are opposing Jesus, opposing him, are coming to the light, seeing him reveal himself. He's saying, I am Jesus, you know? And um, so believing for those continued experiences where maybe there isn't as wide of a door for the gospel to be spread within those organizations, that that the Lord himself would open that door and speak to them. And so just believing for radical encounters with the living man, Jesus, and that those who are, you know, it's just like the story of Paul. Paul felt, you know, when he was Saul, felt that he was righteously doing the right thing in persecuting Christians, killing Christians. And it wasn't until really he had this encounter that his eyes were opened through his blindness, you know, being struck blind, that his eyes are open to the truth and that that cloud of deception is removed. So also I think praying the mercy of the Lord for for those who are even inflicting terror on, you know, the Jewish people and and like you said, the Palestinians as well. Yeah, I agree. Praying for those God encounters so that just across the spectrum Jesus would show up. And you know, just like you're talking about those God encounters, praying that for ourselves as well. That Lord, you would give me wisdom and revelation to pray according to your will, that you would unite my heart with your promises for Israel, that you would unite my heart with your promises, Lord, for across the Middle East, that your plans and your purposes are accomplished. And I think if we'll begin just with an openness and heart and prayer, and as we read scripture, we'll be surprised at how much God deposits on the inside of us and how we will mature quickly in these expressions of intercession, uniting with the heart of God. I love that. So just recapping, you know, just as an encouragement, like you really want to make an effort to stay informed, stay up to date, make an effort there to get information, to stay current with what is happening. And then, you know, consistently asking the Lord to give us revelation, give us his heart, his counsel, his wisdom about how to pray. How can we grow in this area? Um, so I would love to even just close this out with maybe you praying over this situation and then also over anyone who's listening, uh, to the podcast, just that they would have, um, just, uh, this turn of their heart to this in a fresh way that they would feel, uh, like that tangible grace from the Lord that the Lord is, um, breathing on this in their lives. Yes. Well, Father, we do unite our hearts with your word, and we ask, Lord, that you would swiftly bring peace to Jerusalem in Jesus' name. Father, it says in Psalm 122, verse 6, may they prosper who love you. Father, we ask that those that desire the well-being, the good of Jerusalem, of Israel, and the Jewish people, that they would prosper in their plans. They would prosper, Lord, in their desires. They would prosper in in the... Um, uh, Lord, in the in the agenda that they are setting forth, and those that are, Lord, intent upon Israel's destruction, that their plans would come to nothing. Lord, that you would bring quick resolve in Jesus' name. And I want to pray this scripture over Israel from Zephaniah chapter 3, 
verses 16 and 17. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Father, we declare your word over Jerusalem, over the Jewish people, and Father, all of the Arab peoples that are there within the land of Israel and surrounding the land of Israel. Father, we ask for peace for the Palestinians that there in Gaza, Lord, where it's been so tormented by terrorism, Lord, and indoctrination, Jesus, that you would just show up as you have been, Lord, in the underground church in Iran, that you would reveal yourself, reveal your heart, reveal your name, reveal your nature in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask for everyone listening to this podcast that you would make us those informed intercessors. You would make us those watchmen on the wall. Lord, Isaiah 62, that we would be those that cry out day and night for your promises to be fulfilled. And that, Lord, for those of us that are not sure where to begin or where to start, you would lead us by your Spirit, that you would speak to us in ways that we're able to receive. We ask for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amazing. Well, thank you guys for listening and um, just pray great grace over you and look forward to being with you next time. God bless.